On today's episode, the cheese curd is back and we find out he's playing with something smelly. Brian's hanging out just ghouling around. And of course, I pass on boiling floods. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Hey folks, we have the Conzi with the most here. Obviously we have the Disturbed One, the Stark Raving Mad, Brian himself, as well as the Cheese Curd, the Swiss Dictator, Robert Elmer, all in studio today. Hi. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. I'm kind of tired, but... All right. Yeah, you had, you had Derby last night, we didn't you? Yeah, Derby, yep. All right. So, yeah, definitely if you're in the Madison area, we'll give the Mad Roland Dolls a quick free shout out here. If you're in the Madison area and you want to check out the Stark Raging Mad at his greatest, he is a referee <laughs> for the Mad Roland Dolls. So, make sure you check out their bouts. They're $12 at the door, usually at the Coliseum or the, or whatever. Yeah, we'll be at the Coliseum the rest of the season here. So, yeah, it's really good time. It's cheap. It, for the pretty price, you get to watch some girls beat each other up. It's awesome. Pretty cool. So that's not what we're talking about, obviously, today. <laughs> we're uh, gathered to get today to go ahead and do a tournament coverage show on the Cheddar Bowl and our good time that we had there. It was Cheddar Bowl. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit before. It was a 2,200-point Warhammer Fantasy tournament where you got to bring a 200-point allied character. So we're going to do full list breakdowns. We have some interviews and recordings we did from the show, from the event, as well as just uh, how our games went and who the real winners and losers were. So <laughs> that being said, let's go ahead and do a big thanks to our sponsors, starting with Misty Mountain Games. And Robert, what can you tell us about Misty Mountain Games? That Misty Mountain Games is a pretty large gaming area, so you, they are able to run large events, whether it's Magic or Merry Mayhem in the past, so it's a pretty good venue for also putting on large games and tournaments and such. Largest gaming space in Madison, Wisconsin, with, you know, always happy to work out and get space and gaming lined up for you at any point. Of course, then we move into the last circle, or... Triangle? What is that place? <laughs> Polyhedron. Polyhedron. The Last Square, I believe. The Last Square, yes. And you can catch them at thelastsquare.com. Or you can go ahead and hit their brick-and-mortar store over on Odana Road here in Madison, Wisconsin. And Last Square is kind of like the historical war game store of Madison. So anything just about war gaming you'd ever want to or find, whether it's, you know, how do I make magnetic movement trays or where is that really rare World War II figure that I'm looking for, usually go to Last Square and they'll be able to hook you up or they'll know where to get it. So make sure you check them out. And, of course, always 20% off at Warhammer Games or Warhammer and Games Workshop products through their website. Definitely check yeah, them yep. out. Next up. Yeah, Prism Gaming. Prism Gaming. They're out of uh, Wisconsin here, and they make a great line of paints with over 70 colors, some great washes, as well as other gaming accessories such as a dice tower, movement aids, all sorts of great stuff that will help you pick up and speed up your Warhammer games. Finally, got the WWHFB, also known as Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. Yep, the WWHFB, the Wisconsin's oldest and longest-run Warhammer Fantasy Gaming Club. With regions all over the state, including Madison, Milwaukee, Lacrosse, Stevens Point, 
Green Bay, Appleton, all over the place. So if you're looking for Warhammer and you're, and you're in the state of Wisconsin, make sure you hit up the Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasies Battles League. Um, we we'll, should be able to go ahead and get you pointed in the right direction for, for war gamers, Warhammer players in your neck of the woods. Yep, yep. Okay, so you guys, have, has anybody been playing any Warhammer lately? Or, I mean, I, I know that, I know it's kind of a hard concept. It's outside of Cheddar Bowl, obviously, uh, this pushing around models and stuff. I mean, we don't really like doing that, really, do we? Uh, here and there we get it in, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so has anybody had any games since, uh, the last time we recorded? I believe you and I played a week before Cheddar Bowl. Yep, we like did we a, Cheddar a Bowl, that game. was a Cheddar Bowl prep game, wasn't it, with your vampire counts? And sure was. Dark elves? Yep. So, and how did that go? Uh, I don't terribly remember. I think I lost it, I believe. Didn't I? Or no, I was, th- I think I was complaining half the time, but I ended up winning. <laughs> yeah, was yeah, that was that game, one. <laughs> that was the game that. That's where you dimensional cascaded your yep. level four. And yep. then I also did it, but I survived it. My yeah. general survived you, at you least. You didn't have, I popped my, <laughs> yep, I popped my L4 yeah. off the table and that really kind of, I went from really kind of dominating that game because that are huge. My Dark Elves list, as you'll, you'll hear, had a huge, Magic component. Yeah, tons of yeah, magic. But losing it was rough. that level four just kind of wrecked everything I wanted to do. So it made it kind of tough and it was kind of a struggle moving forward. So. Yeah, I made some mistakes in the end and you were able to capitalize a bit, but it wasn't quite enough to turn it around, I guess. Robert, have you played any other games? I haven't played any casual games since we last recorded. Uh, slacking out. I did get actually a couple other games. I played against Dustin, who's been on the show before. Uh, against these new demons on Tuesday night, I play. I was playing my goblins, my all night goblin army. Oh, really? What uh, points was that? Two thousand points, and I packed in as many goblins as I could into that list. Were you limited by the number of figures or the number of painted? ones? Number of painted. So obviously, I'm following the <laughs> Conzi's challenge. Yeah. I've got to play with painted figs. So, how many right. goblins did you end up having? I ended up having. Just over 240 goblins, I think, in the a lot gob- of dudes. models in the <laughs> army, anyways. Wow. And I passed one animosity check in that game, so I just already <laughs> wow. see how, how well it went for me. That's hard to do. I literally could do almost nothing. The The big MVP was that the, I had a single 50-point chariot that ran wild. It popped all sorts of stuff. I ended up killing a unit of screamers with it with support from my pump wagon, but then it overran into a unit of horrors and ended up taking out down the unit of horrors. Now, admittedly, the unit was like 14 or 15 models or something like that with it's a still herald. still kind of impressive. I actually, I actually, yeah, I got that. It's just a goblin chariot? And just the 50-point goblin chariot. And then it turned wow. around and tried to charge the Zinch chariot, and I rolled badly on the impact hits and failed to take it down before it got me. But oh. I was down to my last wound at that point, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> this is my hero. This is what's making this game interesting because everything else is just a whole lot of I can't do anything. It was really definitely an orc game. Nice. And then yesterday I played against uh, Dan Rude. Uh, Robert's re- kindly referred to him before as Drunk Dan, and he <laughs> lived up to his name as he drank and drank. <laughs> did he come up here or did you go there? No, he actually came here. Oh, really? We uh, were playing 3,000 points. Oh, wow. Uh, and I've used, uh, again, my goblin army, and, and part of that's been because I've been painting a lot of goblins lately. Lately, It's kind of motivated me, kind of made me excited to play the army again. Cool. And so I had ju- almost 270 models on the board at 3,000 points, including double giants and all sorts of craziness. How did that one go? That game went amazingly well for me. 
Drunk Dan had loaded up his army with like special characters and a bloodthirster and stuff. So he didn't have a his army. While it was three thousand points, didn't seem to like have a lot of substance to it. Huh. So I was really able to dominate and control the edges and the flanks of the of the game and dictate where all of the combats were. And we ended up playing four turns before it. We had to both call an end to it. I had to play some plays. I had to go to last night. And at at seven thirty, so we had a hard stop at seven thirty, but it was very obvious that after four turns that Dan was done. He literally had I think seven blood letters in his unit of forty that he started the game with, with both giants at at least fifty percent wounds in the flank. Oh, <laughs> really? Wow. And then he had the other unit of he had another block of thirty blood letters with let, that had skull taker left left in it uh-huh. at the end of turn four. And that had, I think, like 17 or 18 models and would have been all he could have done to try to get that into combat with me on turn six into one of my big goblin blocks, at which point it would have been a leader eight steadfast roll yeah. to stick. And that would have been probably all I would have lost if that would have broke. So it was it was a pretty well decided game. Uh, all there's all sorts of actually, if you follow us on follow me or follow Wisco Dice on Facebook or Twitter. I did put up pictures of the game. We took all, all sorts of pictures of the rounds oh. and the action, and I put up some great descriptions on those picks of what was going on in the game and some of the memorable moments. So, you know, make sure you go ahead and check that out. It's great. It's a great little game, in-game coverage. Cool. Maybe I'll have to figure out Twitter sometime. <laughs> so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about maybe what we've been working on hobby-wise. Have either of you been painting up any miniatures or putting anything together? Uh, no paint yet. I know I talked about my ghouls last time getting them ready for paint. Uh, it was a 40-man unit I'm working on. I got three of them left to finish cleaning the mold lines off before I can prime them and start throwing some paint on them. So I did get quite a bit of work done on them last week. I must have done at least like 25 of them or so, so more than half the unit is what I got accomplished last week and it's been a pretty busy week too so that's really cool you're making progress that's what's that's what's awesome getting so there hopefully soon we'll actually start hearing about you getting some paint on those models yeah too. should be pretty quick all right robert have you been working on anything uh, just a little bit i got uh some more german infantry done for flames of war so i can now run a full grenadier company not counting pioneers and the pioneers are based and ready to paint and then for Cheddar Bowl, I painted up my knights, which I have to actually touch up a little bit more. I found the having different greens for the horse barding and the armor for the riders was not exactly the best, so I'm going to make them the same. And uh, then I'm starting to work in my chosen. Cool, cool. That's excellent. Mm. I obviously, since I've been in this crazy hurry-up-and-get-stuff-done mode against Andrew... I've done a lot of stuff, so just some quick recaps of stuff I've been working on hobby-wise is I went ahead and got a bunch of uh, Flames of War uh, American Sherman tanks of various varieties, some just basic M4s and some, I think they're M4A3s. And then I also knocked out uh, some additional Flames of War Rifle Company infantry, and a couple of command block, command units and stuff like that for command squads for various, various, uh, units and HQ choices and stuff like that. So I'm actually now I think about 900 points in total painted Flames of War stuff using the American Second Infantry list. 
So I'm really excited now to try to give that a game a try now that I, especially now that I have enough stuff that I can actually play a game of some kind of substance. Mm-hmm. And then I went ahead and I've obviously been painting on Night Goblins and I think I've painted since the last time we recorded something like 20 or 30 or so Night Goblins. Yeah, probably more than that. And there's been, what else I finished up? I finished up some other stuff. I don't even remember. It's I think you so pa- much did you paint painting. that mantic skeleton in there too? Yeah, I did paint that. That mantic thing looks skeleton. pretty cool. I was really surprised. Yeah, I put that. You, that went up through the the Facebook group, so you can check that out. Now there's a folder for everything Conzi's painted in 2013. It's Conzi's uh, 2013 painted models or whatever, and you can see that mantic skeleton. And I was kind of skeptical. I know we had reviewed the mantic stuff before on a previous show that yep. you were here for, Brian, and we're like, yeah, you know, looking at it on this bare plastic on the sprue you're like yeah that's that's yeah, i can see where it doesn't have quite that detail or whatever but i got that painted up and it really looks sharp so it's amazing i mean you put a good paint job on on a model that's even maybe you can say arguably it's a little less detail or something like that than maybe a games workshop model and it looks really good so i'm actually looking forward i'm going to probably end up doing that color scheme for my own mantic undead army and that'll be really cool i'm hoping i'm waiting for kickstarter stuff to show up from from that before i can go ahead and get that project really going though it'd be really cool to see a whole unit of those guys yeah i'm looking forward to that i do have i think 20 or 40 skeletons or something like that sitting here so yeah i might actually get around to putting some of them together at some point but that's kind of probably three to six months (laughs) before i'm gonna start working on those Okay, so I think that pretty much sums that up. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here. And when we get back, we'll go ahead and get into list cre- recaps of what we took to play at Cheddar Bowl. Do you want to speed up your games with super accurate measuring and control your dice from flying everywhere? Then Prism Gaming is your place to shop. Do you love beautiful, bold colors and amazing washes with a huge selection of colors? Then Prism Gaming is your place to shop. If you love to game, then you love Prism Gaming. For all of their products and materials, shop www.prismgamer.com. Okay, and we are back. Back. Okay, so I wanted to go ahead and mention, too, if you guys hadn't heard in episode 30... We got a contest going. we do have going. a contest running. And that contest is to go ahead and... the per- Anybody can go ahead and send us an email to hosts at wiscodice.com with a couple of good points, maybe a couple of uh, points where they were looking for us maybe to improve. And we're looking for this on direct feedback for the episodes of 30, 31, and 32, those shows specifically. And the reason we're doing that is because we got a couple of new hosts that are on the show. We're trying to feel them out, trying to figure out what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Isn't that right, guys? Yep. Yeah, we want to know, <laughs> we want to know what's going on. And we want you to know what what your opinion is so that we can try to make things a little better, better, a little bit smoother, get a feel for things as we continue to improve and try to bring you a quality Warhammer fantasy podcast. So go ahead and make sure you shoot those in. And, of course, then I said it's a contest, so we're giving something away. What are we giving? Do, you, do either of you guys know what we're giving away? 
Uh, right at the moment, I think we got some oh. vampire count skeletons. Yep, there are two brand new in shrink wrap boxes of vampire counts skeleton warriors right now that are in the pool. So, and if we get over twenty email responses for feedback, we will go ahead and throw in an additional item or items. And for each twenty responses thereafter we will go ahead and throw in another brand new box so this could be a you know huge opportunity for lots of stuff being given away and each of these items will be um, that we announce as an item specifically we'll go ahead and raffle away at least your email responses help us improve the show and also you get a chance to get some cool stuff so please please do so in being a new host Maybe I can also lend a small support. If may I offer one of the prizes be a forty millimeter objective marker that I would build for the winner, and they could decide what army it's for. You can do whatever you want. Well, then add that to the list. Okay, so there you heard it here first. Let's go ahead and get into our army list recaps and and such for Cheddar Bowl without slowing this thing down. So go ahead, and I'll talk a little bit about my list, and then I'll let each of you guys talk a little bit about your lists. If you got any thoughts or comments uh, about the list, go ahead and pop on. So my list, I was taking my Dark Elves. Uh, then again, this is 2,200 points of Dark Elves, so I'll start with my Lord Choice. I took a level 4 Supreme Sorceress, and she is Lore of Metal. It's either you have metal or not. And actually, with the idea was with the taken lore of metal was one final transmutation is amazing. <laughs> I love gold. And also, then she, she the lore of metal. There's a lot of you're seeing a lot of mo- the one up armor. You know, heavy monsters cavalry on the board now. I wanted to start, I, I started, I kind of struggled with that when I was running Shadow. I mean, yeah, sure, you can Mind Razor, but Mind Razor can't get everywhere, and you can't soften things up as they come across the board to try to dictate some of your matchups a little better to make them more in your favor. Yeah, Metal's quite a lot, but yeah, more metal offense nuking, in there. Yeah, Metal nuking that armor save was great. So then in my hero choices, I went ahead and took uh, Dark Elf BSB. Actually, let me step back here. My Supreme Sorceress, she had the Black Amulet which gives her a four-up word save, and then in close combat, when you pass a word save, it bounces that wound back to your opponent with no armor saves, which is, I found really good. I nearly got Grimgore with it once. You know, that was, you <laughs> nice. know, it, yeah, I can see that pretty good where you want to take all your points, swings on that sorceress. One quick question. Did the warrior, new Warriors book making them a little more popular also affect the decision on the lore? No, not at all. That did the new warriors book didn't affect my didn't make didn't change my my decision because the there was nothing in the new warriors book that really or making it more popular made me think that this was something I had to deal with. It was more of dealing with the new. I knew that the new corn in, in the they were the new corn jugger calf were in that list, which is just another 
tough, heavy Cav army. There's uh, obviously, you know, I knew the dreaded meal was going to this, and he's got his, uh, um, he, he's got demigriffs, and there's actually quite a few empire players there, and every single one of them's got demigriff knights. And then, of course, ogres being at the top tables or near the top tables, they're going to have their Mornfang, and I wanted to be able to have answers to Mornfang and the Jugger Knights for Chaos and the Demigriff Knights for Empire, and those were three of the three of the tough army matchups that I saw that I could potentially struggle with. Finally, my level four had a Sacrificial Dagger. Can't leave home without it. Yeah, can't leave home without it. <laughs> Indeed. It's too darn good. Okay, so then I got my level my. Battle Standard Bear, and he just took Crimson Death because unmodifiable strength six. Uh, swings that swing at initiative, elf initiative are pretty darn good. Is that a magic weapon then? It is a magic weapon. Okay. And then I also took the Armor of Darkness to give him a one-up armor save. Finally, I round out my Dark Elf characters with a level two sorceress with a dispel scroll, and she went Lore of Shadow. And, you know, I was... Since it's a level two, I can't really guarantee any spells, but my is obviously solid all the time, so the signature is great. And then the, you know, whatever else you get out of Shadow is usually pretty useful, so mm-hmm. uh, I went with that as my second lore in the list. Then I went ahead, I, for my core, we start out with 20 Dark Elf for Peter Crossbowman with a standard and musician and shields. Pretty standard fare. The shields, I wish I didn't have them built with shields right now. I'd prefer to not have them. That extra points, that extra 20 points I could use freed up somewhere else, but that's what I have built, so that's what I use. I also then took a unit of 40 Dark Elf Spearmen, the Dark Elf Warriors, uh, with a full command, and I upgraded them to shields. So spears with shields, five of armor saves, yay, combat. I also threw in there something that nobody else really I've seen do, do is I put in the Banner of Murder to give the unit armor piercing, I like that. It makes helps just helps that when I finally get that strength three wound, if I'm fighting against other infantry, it almost helps me assure that I'm actually going to get a wound through. If I'm fighting against heavy cav, it's just that little bit of a knock, you know, when you got the armor save that I might be able to get that wound through. I just like to have that fact when I with strength three, especially when you're fighting against like tough four, tough five stuff, it seems pretty rare when you get a wound, so I want that wound to count. I also then upgraded the unit to have a dark elf assassin. And he just got the Manbane Runa King kit. I didn't give him the additional hand weapon. But that went ahead and just... I love having him in there because that's my, also my level 4 bunker. Obviously, the, the Spear Elves are cheap, so it's great to go with the Spear Sack Dagger. And that Assassin is great for pulling out and killing off some fairly decent, maybe a hero-level character or even some lords. I can use him, just pop him, reveal him, place him in the right place, knock him out, or... When I'm dealing against those heavy cav type units, I can put them on the edge of a unit. He gets a swing first, kills a cav model, so that no, nothing gets a swing back at him, and I can maybe get a cav model or two with him that way. Finally, rounding out the core, I went ahead and got five harpies. Of course, harpies are always good for getting in the way, fighting in that chaff war that seems to be really dominant in our our environment. For special choices, I went ahead and I got got a cold one chariot. 19 Blackguard, including a full command, and I also threw in the Razor Standard. So if you see something here that's kind of a unifying theme across my army and with my Dark Elves, it's anti-armor. So more armor piercing there. A couple that with a Lore of Metal Wizard for the level 4. I, I thought it gave it, the army a, as a whole a nice kind of theme to, you know, anti-armor type deal. It's a hard, it's kind of hard to see, but it's it's there. It's when you're talking about it, it, definitely seems like that was a focus you had in there. I think Wanger does the same thing. He gets two armor piercing banners in there too. 
rounding out the list, I have a couple of War Hydras, so that's not something I usually actually take, but I wanted to take a little bit harder list this time, or I should say a lot harder list, so I took a couple of War Hydras too. Yeah, it was a tournament, so I mean, you'd expect to see harder, other people having harder lists too, so you want to be able to combat that. Especially since it kind of seemed like, you know, from in some of the initial talk, it seemed like some people were bringing some lists that they weren't probably going to normally bring in a pickup, you know, for pickup or to even other tournaments. So it was a little bit of a, I think the lists in the, in the, with the taking the 200 up point extra character made some people bring some harder things because you didn't necessarily know about how you were going to deal with those combo matchups. Yeah, you, you could fight get against. a lot of unusual matchups there with the addition of that extra character did it. Oh yeah, offering a lot of variables. And well, didn't Cheddar Bowl originally originate as something to take a harder list to, anyways? I don't think so. I don't know. It's been a long time. Anyways, uh, the last thing that was in the list is since I had to take a 200 point allied hero from another army, I took a level two chaos sorcerer and I gave him, uh, I think, a sword yeah. of might. Put him on a chaos steed, so he had a two up armor save. Uh, I gave him a charm shield. And then I gave him the, whatever the upgrade was, the chaos upgrade to give him, make him cause fear. So I could go ahead and, and toss him into some things. Like he could survive a cannonball. Since I didn't have any cavalry anywhere else, like he could survive a single cannonball to the face, most likely with a charm shield. <laughs> so there was, you know, I, I tried to take a guy that was useful for me and I also took him lore of death. So the being on that cavalry mount meant I could, with the assassination spells, death tends to be a little bit shorter range. Those assassination spells, I could get him kind of in range where maybe he's not at risk for being charged to maybe snipe some characters and such out of the units. So he, he ended up being a nice compliment. I did enjoy using him. And he was painted up. He's painted up to match the rest of my army, which was worth uh, bonus points towards your overall appearance. So that was Conzie's list. Why don't we go ahead and get into Brian. What did you take to right. Cheddar Bowl? I've been playing the Vampire Counts lately. So, of course, to have a Vampire Lord being my general in there. Uh, it seems kind of a usual build to have Red Fury, Quick Blood on him. So I got both those. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just running Talisman of Preservation on him to get the four up board save. And did have an Enchanted Shield. And originally had a Sword of Might, but right before the first round started, I realized my allied character also had a Sword of Might, so I had to change that real quick. And just for equivalent points, I forgot to give him heavy armor in there, so also put that on him and then gave him a sword of striking instead, because then he was hitting on twos most of the time, which, now that I think about it, didn't really make a whole lot of sense, being that I would usually be re-rolling, because they always strike first, and three would probably be good enough, but hitting on twos was kind of fun, so I just ran with that. It was a quick change right at the last minute there so i didn't think about it too much and then also another lord i have a master necromancer uh level three my vampire lord is just a level one so ben kind of helped me come up with that idea to have the lord my vampire lord and my magic base kind of split apart and that actually did work out pretty good usually i like have the vampire be the powerful guy and have all the magic and everything too but it was really helpful to have it split up i know i lost my master necromancer in at least one of the rounds and it's just a lot easier you can kind of take more risks with your vampire and don't have to worry about losing all that magic base so that worked out really well for yeah, me Yeah, I, mean, I understand like the thematic idea what you're trying to go through like i want the yep. my vampire to be this uber bad it's supposed to be his army but then some other dude running it. it's kind of weird exactly <laughs> but it's strategy wise it works out really well and 
A couple other characters got a vampire hero level. Uh, he has quick blood. He's running a great weapon, so gets rid of all his strike last in there. And then armor of silvered steel, so he has the two up armor save. I've ran a build like that for an awful long time, and it's just adds those few extra heavy hits to a unit, and I find it pretty handy. And then got a banshee in there as my last character. Uh, nothing on them. And going into my core units, uh, big unit of crypt ghouls, got 39 of them, so the vampire goes in there and end up with a solid unit of 40. Or I guess I actually have a ghost in there too, so it is actually 40 ghouls. And they were really good in all three of my games. I guess we'll recap those in a bit, but, uh, the rest of the core, uh, unfortunately kind of small unit of zombies, but I usually have no problem raising them, just 25 of them. Zombies are always good, and I have a couple unit of dire wolves in there, just two units of five, just to muck up the battle lines. Which Get into that chaff war. Yep, I've done pretty good with that lately. I don't think I had too much luck with them at Shatter Bowl, but here and there they work out pretty good for me. Uh, into the special choices, I just have the Graveguard, uh, unit of 30 of them. I always like having my Graveguard in the list. My general runs in that unit. Now, and it's, you're running your Graveguard with Hand Weapon Hand Shield? Hand Weapon Shield, and they're not a horde or anything like that. Just a What do you think about like, big a five wide in 8th ed using, like, say, Great Weapons? Or I think they can take Halberds, too, right? Uh, no, just Great Weapon on the Graveguard. Tomb Guard can have Halberds, but Graveguard only have Great Weapons. Originally, when the book switched and they could have Great Weapons, I... Did try them here and there. I think I was actually running one unit of hand weapon shield and one unit of great weapon at one point. But I think half the reason I don't do it is because I have the old models. And I do have the new great weapon models too, but I don't really like running the they, new they, models in my army. So They don't seem to match the They don't match aesthetic. at all. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't even worried or thought about playing them with great weapon. And... I guess they seem to work pretty good in a horde usually, but I guess I haven't seen too many people what other people are doing with their vampire accounts as far as Graveguard goes. I know they were a big thing for a while, the great weapon horde of them. But I like the hand weapon shield. I mean, they're pretty resilient. And I do have the banner of barrows in there, so especially when they fail fear, it's pretty awesome hitting on threes. Hitting on twos. Yeah, on twos, yeah. Or just hitting on threes for undead is pretty good. So that's good. And a couple other rare choices. And, uh, another Banshee in there and is in a unit with three other Karn Race. Just another Scream and the Karn Race are, I've had pretty good luck with them. They're pretty good just being ethereal. They can be pretty useful. And then I also had a Vargulf. Just another thing to fill out the flank and be a little bit more heavy hitter in there. And that was all of my actual vampire counts. I had did have for the allied character, uh, what are they called? A master? It was the, the, the dark, dark elf, elf hero on, on a pegasus and it had the inverse ward save thing and it had the sword of might then. And that dude was like invaluable in all my games. It was just a really nice addition to my list. He, Help. Uh, with the inverse ward on there, it was great for holding up monsters and just sticking them in and he would hold. It was really good. <laughs> Is there anything, do you think there's a way to get something like that into a Vampire Counts army, maybe? Um, I know you can run a vampire on a, whatever it's called, a whatever the Wing Nightmare kind of thing. Well, not a Wing Nightmare, but the, yeah, maybe it is called just a Wing Nightmare. Abyssal Terror? No, the, it's like a Dark Steed or something like that. I don't remember what they call it. It's just a Pegasus. So it's all, it's just a Cav model. So it can't be killed separately. And the only thing is, I don't see a way to make it as resilient, I guess as the inverse ward save is. 
Probably. Of course, then you it's don't kind have of the to worry problem. about breaking either, so. Yep. But then, like, crumble's kind of rough, too, so you can't put them into, like, big things. But, yeah, single monsters, it'd be all right, but then there's not really an awesome ward save you can put on where I would expect it to hold very long. Yeah, forever, Against almost. a big monster, yeah. Okay, so, Robert, why don't you go ahead and break down your list next? All right, in my list for my general and lord, I had a sorcerer lord of Nurgle, who was a level four, with the mark, well, with the lore of Nurgle. And, and you were playing Warriors of Chaos, right? Right, Mono Nurgle, Warriors of Chaos. Okay. And then he had the Shrieking Blade, so he caused fear, so I wouldn't care about some terror causing charging me. Plus, on the slight chance, you know, I face fear, I'm either immune or maybe a small chance of causing fear. I guess that's kind of important when you're playing uh, a Mono God list, because you no longer, they took away in the New Warriors book, they took away that being, you know, undivided, being able to reroll psychology checks. And, you know, that can kind of be backbreaking for your warriors because they're all those elite skills. All of a sudden, your weapon skill mm-hmm. one, that can, or fail a terror check even on a charge and have to run away. That can be kind of backbreaking. Oh, yeah, especially with, with his base leadership on your general only being eight. Now, granted, I take the center discipline for his unit, so it's nine, but still, you know, that's a bit risky. Okay. Then he also has the Dragon Helm, so he's immune, you know, got the Duplos Ward versus Flaming, and his armor's a bit better. So he's, you know, a little more durable. Talisman of Preservation for the 4 plus Ward, Stubborn Crown. And then for the Gifts, he has the Chaos Familiar, which is going to be kind of a must-have power for my Sorcerer Lord. Adds plus one to channeling attempts and knows an extra spell. Okay. And then the Scaly Skin. So, you know, he's... Pretty tough, actually. And I put him in a unit of 23 Chaos Warriors in Nurgle, full command with standard discipline. BSB, Nurgle. Just assume Nurgle from now on. Warrior Bane, Enchanted Shield, Talisman of Endurance, Hideous Visage, so he has fear as well. Nurgle's Rot and Soul Feeder. 23 Chaos Warriors, full command for him. Both these warrior units have Halberds, by the way. Okay, is there a reason you're taking halberds over maybe a hand weapon and shield or additional hand weapons or even the great weapons? Why 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 halberds? Halberds versus great weapons, they strike at initiative, which at initiative five is big. And the reason I go for halberds over the other options is having strength five at weapon skill five usually will cut through most things. Elves, humans, I'm wounding on twos. Against orcs and lizards and other warriors, I'm still wounding on threes, so I'm I'm hurting them pretty badly, and like you, uh, without having to use armor piercing at strength 5, I'm also cutting through armor quite nicely too, so it's very offensive. And I'm not so worried about taking not taking the shield, because with 4 plus armor, I have a pretty decent armor as it is. And then when you throw in Mark and Nurgle and Toughness 4, I'm fairly durable as it is, so I'm banking on impre- improving my offensive capability. Okay. And then I have two Gore Beast Chariots, because that's the way my chariots were modeled. And a unit of five Chaos Knights, uh, Banner Musician, no champion, with Sorcerer Hand Weapons. And then three units of Hounds. Okay, obviously the Hounds for the Chaff game. Mm-hmm. And as we've mentioned before, I mean, if you don't, I guess we keep referring to it as the Chaff game, but it's basically using relatively inexpensive units to kind of get in the way, hamper up your opponent's movement. Force your opponent to redirect the, the direction of travel of their army a little bit. 
you know, maybe you'd be able to have some of those units to be able to go after enemy shooters or war machines so that you can slow, slow down their ability to take your models off early in the game. Those kind of things. So that's when we say chaff hammer, we say, you know, you're trying to chaff it up or trying to fight the chaff game. That's kind of what we mean. Mm-hmm. And then for my allied hero, I took a dark elf cauldron of blood. But that's all you could take because that was exactly 200 points. That's an interesting selection because the cauldron lets you buff your units with, what is it, killing blow? Plus five one up, attack or five plus ward. Which two out of the three really help you offensively, and one gives you another great answer against, like, say, a regular knight unit armor. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the five up ward for when, oh, crud, I'm going to stick it into something that I know is going to actually has the real potential to kick the dickens out of me. I can right. give myself a much better survival rate. Well, so early on, I'm taking the 5 plus ward as I close the distance because if they got magic or shooting, that gives me that save. Sure. Brian, you had something else to add? I just wanted, he didn't have a war shrine in there or did I miss it? I don't have a war shrine in that list, no. Oh really? That's kind of unusual. It seems like most chaos mortals are running the war shrine. I, I well, think, go ahead. I was just interested to hear about it because it seemed like people thought it was pretty good for my understanding. In the old book, it was a must-have. In the new one, it's a bound spell, and yes, it, you might be able to pop a couple of demon princes if you roll very well, but you're also counting on rolling very well. And while it helps with the Eye of the Gods rolls, I'd rather have a unit of knights. I mean, granted, it's a little bit more expensive for the knights, there are other options at 2,200 points I'd rather have. 2,400 points I might try to fit it in, but with it being a bound spell and not auto, especially since in this tournament I had the cult, the cauldron there to buff me, I figured I'd go with other options. That is what you had your knights in there for? I know you said you just painted them up, so it wasn't a usual thing in your list, right? You just added them in? I just added them in because I wanted something that was offensive. I wanted another offensive unit in there. I see. Okay, so that kind of, I think that rounds out your list. There's definitely the, I can see, like, we're kind of on the, the War Shrine thing here. I can see where if you're going to take that particular thing in a Warriors list, you kind of have to commit to it. Mm-hmm. And since Warriors kind of struggle making additional dice, it's kind of a spell that it's hard for you to commit getting getting off because you don't get your wizard level buffs, you know, adds to the dice roll to get it off. You don't get a lot of, you know, it's it's hard to get it off. Maybe if you're throwing a phase where you're throwing four, five, six spells, but even then that's kind of tough, I think, for a lot of people to do. Especially at 2,200 points where most of my list thinking, I'm almost thinking 2,400 points partially because of bits, but 2,200 points it feels like I'm having to cut a little bit back. So the shrine is high on the list of cuts. And when right. you say bits, you mean blood in the sun, right? Yes. Okay, and that's a Warhammer Fantasy tournament that's run by... Grant Fetter, Chris Hugh, and, and was it Lickman? Yeah. Lickman? And that's just out of out of Illinois here, the Chicagoland area. And you can hear more about that, obviously, from like the Garage Hammer folks and stuff. But it's 2,400 points, two days, five games. It's a great time. It is the... Like the showcase signature tournament for us in the Midwest in the su- come summertime. So that that and Wapak are the two two day tournaments I try to make every year. Yeah, those are kind of my guarantees. I don't think I'll ever miss one of those. 
Okay, so let's go ahead and take a break here, and when we come back, we'll go ahead and talk about our round one games. My precious. My precious. Your precious what? My precious everything. Yu-Gi-Oh, Warhammer, 40K, War Machine Hordes, everything. Everything? Yeah, it's all at Misty Mountain Games. Really? Correct. Located on Cottage Grove Road. And you know what? I hear they also have the largest gaming space in all of Madison. Don't just hear it. I know they do. All right. And also, you can check them out for board games as well, I hear. Yep, board games. They got pretty much everything. The management and the staff down there are awesome. They can hook you up with whatever you need. If it's not on the shelves, they'll make sure they get it in for you promptly and quickly. All right. Well, check them out. Misty Mountain Games on Cottage Grove Road. And, of course, hit their website at mistymountaingames.com. Okay, and so we are here at Cheddar Bowl. It is currently during our lunch break, and we have on the mics right now, we have the Conzi with the most, and the Disturbed one, right? We have the or Stark, Stark. Ra- or the Stark, Stark Raving, Raving Man. Man. Yeah. Brian. Brian, hey, so here. how did this uh, round one go for the Team Wisco Dice? Awesome, apparently. Awesome, yeah. We had three <laughs> wins. Robert also won. He's actually out to lunch right now, so we don't have him on the mic right now. But yeah, we had three wins round one. Brian, what did you play against round one? A guy who forgot his own army, so was kind of lucky to have borrowed one so he could play, but of course he didn't, wasn't familiar with the list, so that made it pretty rough. <laughs> so I don't okay. claim too much victory there. Alright, so you were playing Matt Herbold, if I remember right? Yep, Matt. And Matt was playing Beastman, right? He had Beastman, yep. Okay, roughly what did he have in his list? Uh, there was a pretty big unit of Ungor, uh, with the, Whatever the Mino character, the M- hero. Mino BSB, right? BSB character, yep. And then there was a unit of Bestigor with the Beast Lord General in it. And there was a double hand weapon Gore unit, like a big horde of them. There must have been like big 40 or of gore, 50 yeah. of them or something. Yep. And then he had two level one Bray Shamans and a unit of dogs and a couple Razor Gore chariots and a couple unit of harpies as well. Okay, and so. And then his allied character. Um, I don't even remember what it was now. Wasn't it an ogre or anything like that? No. I really am completely blanking on what it was. Well, obviously it was a really memorable component to your game. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what were the big points? What did you, what, what did you do that seemed to be kind of brilliant or what did he do um, that was kind of just set things up for you? Well, his deployment, there was an altar at Kane kind of right in the middle of his deployment zone, kind of blocked him off. And there was also a wall on the other side and, the big trip up for some reason, the horde unit of gore deployed behind the best of gores. And I used my, I threw my dogs right up there, uh, locked them up. They were held up there until I got to them so I could kind of pick where I wanted to go. And then ghouls with the altar of cane was pretty sweet. Um, he actually took the charge against my, he charged me with his best of gore unit and his, uh, lord swung first, killed a few of them, but I, I think I had like 28 attacks from just the front rank with frenzied ghouls. So <laughs> <laughs> that and the support of the two ranks because they were in horde formation. There was only my banshee screamed off a couple of the best gore and I did like 18 wounds with my unit of ghouls. Was pretty crazy. So that actually took out all the best gore before they could swing back. But his lord had the stubborn crown, so he held him there for a little while until you until you poisoned them all to death. Yep, I did. It took 
three more rounds, I think, and I finally, yeah, I didn't even poison him to get the final wound on him, but the ghouls were rolling ridiculous. I, he had toughness five, so I needed sixes to wound him, but I think on the last roll, I rolled four sixes on the two wound roll. <laughs> nice, <laughs> so, nice. Well done. It was pretty crazy. All right. Well, that's definitely higher than you thought you were going to do already for round one, right? Yeah. I Yeah. It was kind of a give me almost, but so I expect my second round to be terrible with the <laughs> matching up against somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> that's okay. It's okay. It's the way you learn, though. You had a good experience. Definitely, you were able to take train and use it to your advantage in this game. Yeah, it worked out. There's always a bonus of being able to chaff up your opponent with some stuff so you can affect their movement and force them kind of out of what they want to do and then go ahead and take advantage of a key piece of terrain like a, an Altar of Cain to be able to get additional attacks on a unit like the Ghouls. Yep. So great. definitely definitely seems, <laughs> sounds to me like you got that great matchup. So I ended up playing against uh, Warriors of Chaos Army, and this is my first game against the new Warriors of Chaos. His list has two blocks of 24... Corn warriors with additional hand weapons and full command. He had a unit of five of the skull crushers or whatever they are, the new corn knights on juggers. What is that big giant? There's thing? a war altar. In yeah, there. That, that thing. Yeah, the war altar. <laughs> and then he had a level two or a level four cast sorcerer for his general lord, and he had a hero BSB, and that was pretty much his list. And so, and he had his allied character was skull taker. So basically, I, when he put his his corn knights on the board, he put them on his on my far left flank. So I basically did the exact opposite thing of them and deployed everything to my far right flank and forced them to walk the long ways and and did some things to kind of redirect them. You know, I ended up throwing a hydra away at them to redirect them and basically kept them so that they only saw combat two turns in the game. And well, yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a good answer for him in my list, so I just. I mean, I had to delay them as long as I could to hopefully still be in it. I got. I went ahead and got them. Finally, I finally got. A, I went ahead and locked up the building though that was also on that on my left flank or would have been on my right flank. Uh, and so I jumped in there with my forty man block of dark elf warriors uh, with my sorceress which was great because now my l4 had 360 line of sight effectively so i was able to throw all my laura metal spells everywhere and i was just turning things to gold <laughs> so you did get what whatever it's I called got final, transformation final transmutation off two three times on units that'll be it rough. was great yeah <laughs> it was just constant the bombarding things with magic and and taking things off and then he used to be able to charge like his his wizard with his 24 corn warriors charged the tower one turn and smashed the piss out of my out of my elves that were in the tower but I held, I stuck it I held in the tower because I'm stubborn in the tower and then on his turn he brought his war altar to kind of hold me hold me off of and keep me from charging the that unit with my with my blackguard but I'm like, okay, the angle's just right. I can key it up here with the way I charge in to go ahead and overrun into it, overrun into that corn or that corn warrior unit. So overran into it, and I hit it with a chariot in the flank. So I played the combats right. So I broke the war altar on my uh, first, overran, chased the war, changed the war altar, overran into the corn warrior block between the black guard, which got the swing before the corn warriors, and the chariot. I had knocked off like eight of them. He didn't. He did some decent wounds back, but he did so few attacks that, or so few of them left that it, it just couldn't be enough. He broke the combat. I ran him down, and that was kind of where everything went downhill. So that was the big thing. So 
All right, it looks like Robert just stepped up. How's it going, bud? It's going pretty good. I won my first game. That's awesome. So... Tell who were you playing against? I was playing against Dave Bednarik, who's one of the local guys from Milwaukee. He's a very good player himself. Dave's been around for a long time. He was playing Tomb Kings, right? Correct. All right, so what can you tell us about Dave's list? He had, I think it was the Hyro Titan. I can't remember. It was one of the giant ones. He had a unit, big unit of Tomb Guard, big unit of Chariots, small unit of Chariots. The, uh, the uh, I always want to call it the, it's the Casket of Souls. There we go. Yep, Casket of Souls. And I think he had a couple other small things. Okay. Uh, number of characters. He had two level fours, I know. A prince, and maybe something else. And then for his hero, he had a Pegasus Knight. Okay. And so my list was two blocks of Nurgle Warriors, two Nurgle Gorby's Chariots. I had three units of dogs, Nurgle Knights, BSB, level four, all Nurgle. And then my hero was the Cauldron of Blood. Okay. And so in this game, what was kind of the key point that kind of turned the edge for you? Bottom of turn one, I charged his Necro Knights, got into combat with my Warriors against him, made the charge. I also got Gorby's Chariot charge on his big Chariot unit, and that did a lot of damage. But in the combat against Knights, 22 attacks. How many do you think hit? 11. 22. Okay, so <laughs> who's, who's, using, who's using weighted dice there? Bob Dole. Uh, no. <laughs> how, about, how about Robert Elmer? <laughs> I was using the Wisco dice. Well, those aren't loaded. Those are just Wisco dice. Wisco's yep. for the win. <laughs> so, and I just destroyed them. In the end, it, the dice were wonky on both sides, so it was still fun and enjoyable. But in the end, I won by 200-some points because I, the Knights got a rear charge on his uh, Hierophant. Oof, brutal. Okay, so it looks to me like they're getting ready to start off round two. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. And when we come back, we'll give our round two follow-ups. Hopefully it'll be as good, but I doubt it. Hopefully. We got our fingers crossed. (laughs) Team Wisco Dice for the win here. Exactly. Are you tired of playing the same group of guys in your basement every week? Check out the WWHFB, Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. Check it out at WWHFB.com with regions in Madison, Milwaukee, Stevens, Point, and Lacrosse. Anywhere in Wisconsin, you're going to find somebody to play. WWHFB.com. Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. Hey, we are back. Back. Back to the back, back. 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 <laughs> yes, we are back to this recording of the podcasting. Was that another fan we got in the studio? <laughs> no, that was just some effed up thing I was doing. But yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into round two at Cheddar Bowl. So obviously we're coming off a big round one. Team Wisco Dice, three wins. We're going to win this thing. However all we did that. All, we're going to be all nine wins, right? I don't think we really had any doubts in our mind that that wasn't going <laughs> to happen. I was working for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't handle hopes for myself. Uh, I, yeah, I thought I was gonna go down in flames after the first round winning. I was gonna play something, somebody who actually won this <laughs> first yeah, round I was, also. I was feeling pretty cocky because, well, I shouldn't say cocky, I was feeling pretty confident because I, for the first time in my life, I had beaten Dave Bednarik, and to me, that was an accomplishment in my book. Okay, so, let's go ahead then and, 
uh, Brian, what what had happened round two? Well, in my first round, I he had conceded in like turn five or something like that. So I ended up being on the top table score after I scored all the points for the first round. So I was kind of worried about that. I ended up facing Alex uh, Gonzalez. Yep, I, yeah, Gabos. Yep. And he was running ogres. Uh, it wasn't too crazy of an ogre list. He seemed kind of concerned if it was like too hard or something like that. But I thought it was pretty reasonable. I wasn't over the top at all. Uh, he had the tyrant. That's the Lord guy, I think, yep. on the flying carpet running around. It was kind of like an MSU kind of style thing a little bit. Uh, he had three units of, uh, I think it was three. It might have just been two of the Iron Guts, the Great Weapon Ogres. And I think they had just standard musician. There was no champs in the whole army. And he had a unit, I think it was three or four, maybe it was four man-eaters. And then he only had one of the big cannons and only one unit of Mornfang. I think it was four Mornfang in the unit. And... There was no magic in the list. Uh, I guess he had a couple units of lead belchers also. I think it was just uh two ogre unit of lead belchers, two of those. And then his character, his extra character, the ally, was the Mask of Slanesh. So I was pretty worried about how this game was going to go. <laughs> I was just going to get my butt whipped. Uh The scenario was kind of interesting. I guess other people had heard of it before. It was a time warp. I had never come across it before, but it seemed to have some infamy. <laughs> okay, time warp. It basically, in the previous edition, you rolled on your turn. You rolled for every single unit in your army, if I remember right. Oh, really? And it was like on a six, that unit couldn't do anything. Uh huh. And it basically became a big terrain feature that your opponent couldn't attack or do any damage. Yeah, you were you just couldn't do anything. Frozen and passable terrain. It was frozen right? in yep. place for a turn. So yeah, this was kind of that same thing, but it was broken up into just a quarter yeah, you, of you, the board yep, yep, was divided. affected. Divided the table into quadrants. And then whoever was in that quadrant, you would roll for each of your units at the, on the beginning of the turn there to see who was uh, frozen or not. So that made it a little less. On top of that, they used Battle for the Past deployment zones. Ben's favorite. With meeting engagement <laughs> deployment rules as far as you roll for each unit in your army. Yeah, if, if they're does, you know, held in reserves or, or if they're there. Reserves. So... A lot of that combined made stuff pretty interesting. I think most of my army actually showed up. Uh, I believe my graveguard were held back, and I think that was the only thing. Uh, so I was kind of worried about not having my graveguard on the table, so that kind of affected my deployment a little bit. Uh, the board was, uh, the side of the board I got was kind of blocked off by terrain a little bit. It was kind of definitely had some funnel points to it. So there was just a, it was just a regular building, I think, on the one side. It also had a fence kind of in front of it. And that was on the kind of the left side of the board, starting in battle for the pass. Right in the middle, there was a altar of cane, uh, which I was kind of excited about to get my ghouls by again, because frenzy ghouls were freaking awesome with the extra attack. And I can't figure out how any way I can do that without terrain, which is kind of unfortunate, because I think I'd like to have frenzy ghouls all the time. But I can't, <laughs> I can't figure out any way to make that happen. And then there was just a wood on the right flank. So I had these two kind of narrow funnel points and then two openings on the far edge. And my deployment, I plugged one of the holes with my, uh, ghouls 
uh, between the wood and the altar of Cain. And I was planning to play this pretty conservative because I was just going to try and not lose. As my, I was playing for a draw in my head the whole time. I didn't think I was going to win <laughs> as far as I was concerned. And then I was worried about getting my grave guard up in there to help out. So I left them. I wanted them to plug the other hole in the terrain there between the building and the altar of Cain on the other side and then run my lord back over to that unit. And... To get my graveguard up there faster, I had my necromancer back, and my zombies were deployed behind my ghoul unit, so he was back there. I was hoping to get the Von Hells off. I had that spell. Kind of using maybe the zombies. Fill out my line. Sure. Use kind of using the zombies as a It was a bunker. Yeah, it was a bunker in this battle for sure. And then on the other side of the wood, I had my Karen race. I might have even deployed them right in the wood and my Vargulf over there on that side and then my other banshee was kind of in the middle more or less okay and that was my deployment uh alex i think more than half of his army didn't come on for the first turn so that was kind of interesting i think he had his iron gut units and his lord were the only thing that showed up maybe the cannon thing was there too but on his turn, he brought everybody in on the flank. I I was expecting to have to bring people in on the back table edge, but we could actually bring them in on the side in our deployment zone, too, which is slightly different than the regular one, but it kind of made sense for the table area you have yeah. in Battle for the Pass. So it was the same area, but it was just kind of... I wasn't expecting that. So he had them all come in on the one flank, pretty much. Uh, there was a wizard's tower on his side, kind of dividing that, and they were all stuck on the between the board edge and that wizard's tower. And all I had really against them was my Vargulf, the Cairn race. I guess I had my uh, dark elf character. It was originally on the my left flank. He was kind of in that hole where between the building and the altar of Cain, where my grave guard were going to be. I originally deployed him there, but when everything came in on the other side, I flew him over pretty quick to that other side and I was able to choke everything up there pretty well as far as I was concerned and I didn't do a very good job of it um, I actually lost my Vargulf I think that was mostly to shooting between the lead belchers and the cannon Okay. and then my Cairn race uh, I put him out there a little too far I think his general was the only thing with a magic weapon in the army he was able to charge him and it wasn't even a very high charge roll, so that was just kind of a mistake on my part, putting them out there. And they held for one round, and then I actually charged him with the Dark Elf character. And he fended off the uh, ogre pretty amazingly. I think he got a couple wounds on him in that first round, and we actually broke the ogre, and he fled. I failed to catch him. I think I rolled pretty piddly on the uh, pursuit roll. But that was pretty cool to break him. Usually I've had pretty tough luck with tyrants being pretty unstoppable for the most part. So was there anything key in this game that really kind of, it sounds to me like um, things, you're, the way you're kind of talking, you're kind of in the, uh, well, this kind of failed and this kind of failed. So it doesn't, sound, yeah, like, it doesn't well, sound to me like you won the game. No, I ended up losing it. I was, I was, I felt like I held my own pretty good against a really good player, which was cool. After breaking his general there, my, the Dark Elf character was my best thing in that game. He held like everything on that flank, the Mornfang, the cannon, and then he ended up 
uh, sending a you know the iron guts over there all to fight the Stark Elf guy after I killed his general. So they, he kind of plugged that hole over there against all that ogres, and they held him off pretty good. He seemed pretty skittish to fight my ghouls. I mean, they were the toughest thing I had. Uh, I guess I forgot to mention he also had one of those stone horn things in there. Was his sure. other big thing. So. He was kind of dancing around with that. I think he was looking for like a rear or flank charge he maybe would have taken on the ghouls, but uh, you know, it's never able to line it up. And towards the end, he like after I lost most of my chaff there, like the Vargulf Karn race, I ended up dimensionally cascading my uh, Master Necro too. So that was kind of enough points for him to get the win. And I never really was able to claim too many victory points from him. I think I really only killed his general and he had a couple of the saber tusks around too. If I remember right, you were telling me this game was like a two or three hundred point difference uh yeah it was still pretty close not enough for a draw but i think it was like 300 something was the difference so that was pretty good in my book i guess i felt like i played a good game not to mention from the sounds of it you had a chance to run down his tyrant there's probably the game right there i did end up finishing him like i was able to charge him again yep that you know there's probably the game right there yep <laughs> so it sounds to me like there were a couple of bad luck things that really could have, you know, maybe really changed the outcome of this game and maybe even have snuck you in a win. So that sounds like it was a really good game. Yeah, possibly it was really close. Like when he had, when I had lost all those points, he had, he was using his saber tusk and the mask to, uh, he was putting them in front of my ghouls. So they were technically in the front arc, but there was no way for me to get there. So I couldn't charge them. They more or less like couldn't move <laughs> really. So that was kind of obnoxious, just a points denial kind of thing once he had solidified the win there. So sure. I mean, he expected in tournament play, but it kind of sucked, but especially in the so kind of draw system, yeah. I can see that happening. So that really held the win. game. So I was, I couldn't really do much. I was just, I lost those few things and then I wasn't able to make up for it at all. Sure, sure. And then the game was over, so. Okay, so Robert, uh, how did your round two go? Round two I fought against John Wanger and his Dark Elves, and the uh, deployment didn't really screw any of us over at all. And I remember he had, for his extra character, he had a Slaneshi Warriors of Chaos caster, which actually proved to be fairly effective because that number six spell about game or turn two did the he did the bubble effect and it wrecked face pretty nicely. Now his list he also had a dragon, a dreadlord on a dragon, which was pretty interesting to fight. Um it was a very close fight. There was no real clear winner for most of the game. It it took to turn six and a couple of times I almost got his dragon because first time he charged his dragon into my sorcerer's unit, I challenged my champion and he kills the champion of course. But he only got two wounds through all his attacks, so I had the soft res where he actually not only lost, he actually failed his leadership role, and I didn't quite catch him. And then he he charges again, and I had the spells I needed, or and the buffs I needed from the shrine that he, you know, my guy survived, I threatened him, I think I had killing blow on them, so I could possibly killing blow the dreadlord. And I did get a killing blow, but he made his reverse ward. But you gotta try. And in the end, I lost, but not by a whole lot. It was a very Puric victory, and even though there was a couple times I was put back on the back foot because the one spell destroyed one of my Gorby's chariots, wrecked another, and did significant damage to my sorcerer's unit, I kept 
fighting and my knights, even though they had panicked and retreated, came around and were starting to threaten things again. It was a pretty close game, and I think if a couple things had gone differently, I could have won it. Okay. So, now we go ahead and get into the next round, and... So we're going ahead and we went through round two and oh I guess we yeah. we didn't quite get we through don't round know what two. You did. I didn't talk about my <laughs> round two. Whoops. My round two was that memorable, that's what I gotta say. No, I was playing against a handsome man, Grant Fetter, and he was playing a kind of netlist ish uh Ogre Kingdoms army with double iron blaster and uh iron gut. I don't know if there, there was no Iron Gut Horror, but there's a big block of Iron Guts and so the, the, whatever. Yeah, the big Slaughter Calvary Master guy. and a Fire Belly and he took a, the Demon Wizard Lore of Light or something like that. Uh, which was old Demon Books that was Lore Master level 2 Lore of Light. And on this, I was completely wrecked by the, by the, uh, both it being a battle for the past deployment and also the terrain on the table. So Grant got the choice of table edge and took the table edge that had, that was opposite the river. And there was a river that about two thirds the way through the other deployment zone, the zone that I ended up with, about two thirds the way through that zone, it went all the way to, through the zone. So if you were playing on this table and it was a normal, like a, bat, a battle, uh, like a battle line deployment, that river probably doesn't bother you at all because it's going down the four foot length of the table. But since it was going down, you know, at about 18 inches into the board, there's this river that goes all the way through this, through the four foot, you know, four foot right straight down the board with these tiny little fords that you can't even get a five wide unit through, you know, five <laughs> wide on 20 millimeters. It, it, I'm like, okay, well, I have to make a choice. I have to commit to either deploying in front of the river or at behind the river. I'm like, oh, well, he's playing ogres. He's going to have to come across the board at me. I mean, he's going to want to get into combat and stuff, so I'll deploy on the back, back side of the river and force him to come into the river. Oh, duh, he's got iron blasters, and I've got things like hydras and nothing to hide him behind. Boom, turn one, Hydra gone. Boom, turn two, Hydra gone. Okay, I no longer have Ouch. to advance my army. <laughs> I just sit here at about the 24-inch mark of my deployment zone, which is, I mean, it's a smart thing to do to try to lock up your win. And I had to cross the river. So, okay, it's turn three. I've got to cross the river. Got to test Touch, the waters. <laughs> stick, stick my toe in the river to figure out what it is. You never know. It might be a boiling flood or something horrific. Oh, what do you know? It's a boiling flood. So... Oh, every model that goes into it has to take a strength four. Well, forget that. I'm not going to that <laughs> river. I got toughness three and strength four, no armor saves. Well, even if I would have had armor, it didn't really matter. I'm toughness three. Yep. I'm not going to that river. Then so, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm just going to stand here and he's going to stay out of range of my, uh, that was the other thing I realized that Laura Metal struggled at because it didn't have anything that was like really reach out and touch someone. So all of a sudden I had death for offensive dam damage. I had metal for offensive damage. I didn't have any spells that had better than a 24-inch range, so Grant just could spend the entire game sitting outside my my damage bubble 
and he could fling cannonballs into my army and fling Laura Light spells in his army. And at some point, it was like, okay, well, this isn't going to go anywhere. And we played out the six turns, but it was a whole lot of meaningless game until the last turn where there was an objective point for having one of your units into each of the quarters. So at that point, I'm like, okay, you know, we're talking it out. And I'm actually at this point trying to talk to him. Like, I don't want, I don't want to give it away, like, the battle points. But at that point, I'm just trying to, I'm like, I'm trying to find something interesting in the game. And so we're talking it, you know, talking it out back and forth on how does he get that fourth battle point or that other battle point for getting something in each one of the zones. And I'm like, okay, if you do this and this, then I'm going to need a little bit of luck. And then he gets off a spell, like, so he's got everything. He's got the one quarter on my side of the board. He's got, like, three units in it. I'm never going to crack him out of it. In the other one, he just, the only thing he can get into it, in my other quarter, the only thing he can get into it is his Mornfang. And so I'm like, okay, that I can probably panic. I can, I can get a shot. I got a really good shot at least making him panic, get him to run away, they run out of the board quarter. He gets a spell off that makes it so he automatically passes every leadership check. I think that was, like, the, with the Laura Light Wizard. And so then I have to kill all the Mornfang, and I do, I do get two of them. So I was, you know, that was cool. I mean, Laura Metal did what I wanted to do. It killed two Mornfang, you know, when they were still plenty far away from my army and wouldn't have been able to charge the next turn. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough to take the unit off the board, and I ended up losing. Not only I lost the entire game, but I got the minimum of points for losing and and no objectives. So it was, it is what it is. Not much I can do about it. It was a pretty non-game for the entire thing, especially once we rolled up that boiling flood. If it wouldn't have been a boiling flood, um, at least we would have seen some turn five, turn six combats, and maybe something would have swung my way. But that boiling flood just kind of wrecked everything. All right, now I think we're ready for round three, right? Yep. So round three, how did that go for you guys? Well, I ended up back in the middle of the field, and my round three game was probably about like your round two game. <laughs> I was matched up, uh, Joel playing dwarfs. I played Joel before. Uh, this round we had, uh, Trader, the, your allied hero, twist sides on you. So, he got my pretty invaluable dark elf character, who was doing really good for me all day, and he gave me a warrior priest, which was like, no use to me at all, and it was just kind of funny having a warrior priest in the vampire counts army. And <laughs> I don't remember. Is this dawn attack? Was that the style of the deployment? I, I don't remember what was. it's called for sure, but where you roll for each unit yep. and see if they're on the left flank, right flank, or in the center. Uh, and that managed to split up my army entirely, so that wasn't helping me there either. My general's unit was on my left flank. Uh, my necromancer's unit with the zombies was on the right flank, and then my ghouls were in the middle of it. So everything was split up, uh, not how I wanted it to be at all. Uh, he was, had, he was running a rune smith lord. Uh, he had all the magic defense, and then he dwarfs, I think they're like the only thing with magic shooting, so he was taking out all my ethereal stuff, no problem. I was getting hit way too hard with shooting, and this magic defense, I couldn't raise anything back, so. The matchup, it was kind of over before it started. I had, like, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know you were done pretty quick. So. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the way it goes. And I think that, uh, in hindsight, uh, and this is something I learned this year at Mayhem, was that when you're running a tournament as a tournament organizer, trying to uh, minimize some of that randomness in the third round or in your final round matchup, you want to get that game 
to be as close to say like a standard battle line game as you can, like kind of player Do, on player and kind of yeah, leave out it, the other, make it more a normal game, the other and stuff, less a random game. Uh, I love the idea. The scenario is fine. I didn't have a problem with the scenario at all. It was just there was a third round, especially when you've got guys that are. This is the tournament forum, and you can really just break an army bad at that point. It's better to, if you're going to break a, break an army bad with a scenario that you do it early in the tournament so that people are there just kind of hanging out and, and they know what to expect. They're just there to hang out and have fun at the rest of the event rather than, you know, oh, hey, if you were playing on like one of the top tables and you had that scenario handed to you and it wrecked your army like that, that's kind of, yeah. that, that just kind of like wrecks your day. That, uh, that puts a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. Now, I don't think anybody had that from this year at Cheddar Bowl, but I definitely got that kind of feel for some folks at Mayhem this year. So. Just kind of a piece of advice for folks that are that are running tournaments. Yeah, I mean it happened, but it didn't really matter at all. I think even if I lined it up however I wanted against his list, I was going to have a very slight chance of t- accomplishing anything. Yeah, but you <laughs> so. also had that plus losing your special character, which were your yeah, character, which was that was really helping me out. I really could have used him. He had his war machines kind of hidden behind his lines there, and the organ gun was holding down one flank. Maybe if I pressed everything on the organ gun, I maybe could have kind of started sweeping from the one side. Would have been my best bet, maybe, but. Yeah, I don't know. It all just went to crap. <laughs> and I was just getting pummeled and I did absolutely nothing offensively, I think. But it was also a tough matchup. I remember talking to Joel after that and he's like, yep, I see undead or I see vampire Collins. That's like, guy, <laughs> I, that's a game I know. Yeah. I've got a feel, I've got a good feeling about that matchup because I've got a good feeling I can win that game. And that was exactly what happened. Yep. All right, Robert, how did your round three go? I, well, I switched characters and I got a high elf. I think it was Light Wizard, and he got my Dark Elf Cauldron. So we what are you playing against? Huh? What were you playing against? Empire. Empire. AJ. AJ? Yep. Okay, you played against AJ with his Empire. Okay, gotcha. And he had a Horde of Halberds, some great swords, a knight unit, a cannon, and some archers, a steam tank, and there, there might have been a couple other smaller things. And uh, this game did not go well for him. Having a light wizard with warriors is actually pretty nasty when you can cast the uh, time warp on warriors so they get plus one attack and always strike. Let's do the time warp again! (laughs) Among other spells, I mean, it was only a level two, so I had Foss Protection and Time Warp, which are pretty good spells to roll for warriors, and Nurgle warriors at that. And he... At one point, his steam tank misfired and blew up. Ouch. His uh, knights charged into my warrior block, and it took a couple of turns, but they, they were chewed through pretty quickly, especially once the time warp. Oh, just regular yeah. Empire Knights? Let's do yeah. the time okay. warp again! The two Gorby's chariots charged into the Hellbirds, like, turn two, and by the end of the game, they pretty much had destroyed them. The only points he got out of my entire army was a single unit of Warhounds. Those poor puppies. He killed them. And they almost, the, the <laughs> puppies almost killed the archers, which, so it was a pretty brutal stomping. So there was nothing really decisive in there, it just kind of rolled them up pretty much? Pretty much, it was just this advancing line of pus, pestilence, and plague. That's unfortunate. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I really was hoping for the Empire to have something go go good go well for him, but... I think you got some video of it, Brian. 
Uh, yeah, I was running around here and there. I'm not sure if anybody will see any of that. We'll see what we can work with it. I'm not a expert yeah. videographer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we recover and actually release out of that video footage, but we do plan on trying to release some video footage from... Yeah, Federal we'll see too. what we can do. Maybe just a quick whatever montage kind of yep. thing. Be hopefully the first thing we put up on our YouTube channel. It'll probably be like six months before I finally get it released, but hey, whatever. Yep. Okay, so then I had my round three. That go a little better for you? That went really well. That was much more a normal Warhammer game. Yeah, so yeah, the Dawn Attack ended up, he ended up, you know, he was playing Beastman. I unfortunately, I don't remember the gentleman's name. Uh, but he was, it was the first time I ever played him, so we have that portion of it that, and I'm terrible with names, so I do apologize for that. But he was playing Beastman, and he was the gentleman who was the last, he, he kind of came in Friday night and said, hey, you guys got a Warhammer tournament going here? Can I get in? And, and they ended up finding space to be able to get him in and be able to play. That's so really he was cool. like the 22nd player for the tournament. Nice. And I do believe it was 22 people they had turn out for this. Yeah, there was 11 tables, I think. So he's playing Beast and it's kind of a, he hasn't played a lot of Warhammer and ate that. So he, there's a lot of obvious not tweaked to perfection type stuff in his list. S- very smaller infantry blocks, no hordes, you know, things that I think in Beastman list in particular, you really want to do. He had a big block of, uh, Minotaur. There was like six Minotaur in a single Something unit. Something like that. And he had a Gorgon and uh, lots of little chaffy stuff. I mean, it's typical Beastman to have there was lots some, of like, chaffy razor stuff. Razor, whatever. Razor Gore. Razor and Gore stuff. and chariots and, well, Pumba Gore. He had a Pumba Gore actually, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> So, uh, the big kind of big couple of things that come down in this game was that double hydras rock against beastmen because they don't have a good anti-monster answer as well as, um, we had a lot of friendly, really friendly back and forth, um, a lot of times where we were like, uh, I'm not sure what the rule is here. I'm not sure what the rule is there. Let's take a quick chance to look it up. Uh, so we, we spent a lot of time doing that. And kind of the way that the game felt, it, it was just a great, it was like the, a great casual game like you'd play in your basement or your garage when you're playing your bros. So I, I really do, it was a really good game, a really fun time. The, I, I, I know a lot of people talk smack about Minos not being as hard as that you would expect them to be. I really found that unit of six a giant thorn in my backside. Yeah, it seemed like that was kind of the pivotal combat of the thing when I got over there. They were locked up right in the center there. <laughs> yeah, they ended up chewing through hydras and they did, you know, they did, you know, mino type stuff. Now the bonus was then, and I think the big kicker is that they minimal overrun because they only overrun a d6. Yep. So he he kind of needed on his on the last turn we got to play he kind of needed them to overrun like seven inches or six inches or something like that so he would end up in the back of my spear off block ouch and he rolls like a, he's he ends up he ends up rolling and he ends up being like two inches away and I can't remember if that was I think he needed to roll a six and he rolled like a four or a five uh-huh. so. At that point, then that gives my, cause my spear elves are then locked up with something else on that same turn. So spear elves are now able to just decimate. I think it was the last of his gore. They're able to decimate the gore. Um, I think there was a, a model or two that was able to overrun from the spear elves there. So they were able to overrun even further and, and open up that gap and actually get around a piece of terrain that made it so the minos wouldn't be able to charge them in the next turn. But yeah, it was, it was still a really tight game, really close. 
Did you end up winning or losing? Though? I won that game. Um, but it, it would have been interesting to see where it would have ended up if we would have finished the game. If we, if we had, I think, two turns you have to go. Oh, really? Wow. So we were, you know, we were, like I said, it was like playing your bro in the, in the basement. So you were doing a lot of looking up the rules and, and reading and, and validating. And it was because it was such a long time since he had played 8th Ed. Yeah. He was, there were, he had a lot of assumptions on what the rules were based on 7th Ed rulings. And then I'd, I'd have to look, I'm like, okay, let's just take the time to look it up in the rule book. It's not like we, either of us have anything go online for this tournament at this point. Let's just have fun, make sure we're doing it right, and make sure that you're learning out of it. And I'm like, nope, you know, every time, there was a lot of times where I'm going, nope, that's not how it works currently. And he'd be like, are you sure? I'm like, okay, well, let's look it up. <laughs> we looked it up. We were friendly about it. And it, it was, it turned into, like I said, it was like playing, you know, I, we've had very similar games, me and you playing down in the basement, or me, yeah, me and Robert playing, you know, where we, it's the same kind of thing. Okay, so let's go ahead and, uh, we'll take a break. I think we've wrapped up all of our, all of our game coverage. Uh, Let's do, let's do a quick wrap. So, Brian, you went uh, one and two for the day, right? Yep. So one win and two losses. Uh, Robert, you went two wins and a loss, right? Correct. Okay, and I went two wins and a loss. So all in all, pretty solid day for the Wisco Dice Boys. Out of na- nine games, we got five wins and four losses. So Yeah, if you look at it that way. <laughs> you know? All right. You were looking for one win. I know that was kind of the goal. I know you'd like to have gotten more, but you were looking for one win. Of course. Win. You got well, it. I was, yeah, I don't know what it is. I was expecting just to, I wasn't expecting to do well in general. I think, yeah, one win was something to set it at. Too bad, I mean, that first round was kind of, yeah, it wasn't really a great fight or anything like that but where I claim a massive victory or anything. You know, but, you were in a position, yeah. it sounds like, from the round two that you could have uh, knocked out Alex there. and Possibly, yeah. And, uh, it would have been interesting to see what happened if I could have pulled something off in that game. But A couple of different dice rolls here or there, and you maybe you, you lock up this win, or you force the game that changes the game, because then all of a sudden, like, like you don't dimensional cascade off your wizard off the board. Yep. Well, guess what? Now, all of a sudden, he doesn't have those guaranteed victory points wrapped up there's a good shot that he then has to change it up because maybe he has to then come and do yeah, he would Operation add Grill on you. Press a little more, yeah. Exactly. Because that's where it happened. I just lost those few things to skew it where he just held it and I couldn't, yeah, come back with it to get it. So, yeah, it wasn't a bad day, though. All right. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a break then here. And when we come back, we'll go ahead and with a couple of interviews we got from the, from the event, from Cheddar Bowl, and... Then we'll wrap up the show. All right. Uh, we are here at Cheddar Bowl. At the end of the day, we are joined by myself, Stark Raving Mad, also known as Brian. And who else do we got here? We got me, Robert Elmer, the Swiss dictator, and... John Wenger on the forums on Frozen Dark Elf. Cool. I guess let's start off with you, John. We haven't talked to you yet. How did your day go? Two big wins in the uh, beginning, and then uh, round three, Alex is a douche. (laughs) 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 No, just kidding, Alex. Had a lot of uh, dumb luck right at the end of the game and uh, lost it uh, from the top table. I see. What about you? How was your last round? My Well, I want to give a quick nod to John for a very good game, too. It was a very bloody affair. It was a very fun game. 
Game three, I basically moved forward and mulched through Empire quite brutally. Yeah, it came over at the end there. We might have some video from it at some point, but there was not much Empire. <laughs> he only got a unit of dogs. When I came over there. Oh. Rough. And yeah. I was on the other end of that also. My game last game was terrible. <laughs> Just was all bad. I faced Joel. He had dwarfs, uh, lots of shooting and magic defense. Uh, didn't work out good for the vampires. I couldn't generate as near as much mm -hmm. damage as he was dealing out. So that was pretty rough. And we had, was it dawn attack deployment it was called yeah. in the last mm -hmm. one? My stuff was spread out across the board, like, completely. So <laughs> that did not help. And how did your other games go, John? Uh, first game was against Dan Root. It was a sweating, uh, sweating match because... Real close the whole time? Or? Real close uh, up until the very end. And then same, I, I think the same thing was against Rob and, yeah. and against Alex. All three of my opponents. Oh, wait, you two played each other second round? Yep. Yeah, it? we did. Yep. So that was really close, too? Very yeah. close. Yeah. How did your day end up? Two wins and a loss? Two wins and a loss. I see. And also, Robert, two wins and a loss. Two wins and a loss. We, we were supposed to lose the last two rounds, remember? I thought well, we agreed I, on that. Ben and I decided <laughs> we should win, you know. I guess we had hopes, but... I, yeah, I stuck with the losses. I believe Ben did also. He'll probably weigh in later. One funny thing I know about round three for Dan is he plays Corn Demons, and he took Skull Taker in his list. His opponent gave him Skull Taker, so he had two Skull Takers and a Bloodthirster running oh around. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty crazy with the trader, the trader rules in there were kind of interesting. And then I traded a Dark Elf for a High Elf. <laughs> really? Nice. <laughs> yeah, um, my vamp's got a warrior priest, which was okay. <laughs> didn't make any sense, but he didn't really add anything to my list at all because he couldn't join anybody, and yeah, he wasn't really good for anything else. So. He's chaff at that point. Yep. Yep. Alex ended up getting uh, a slanesh caster, and I ended up getting the mask of slanesh. So yeah, he did have the mask. So it was it was a slanesh switch. So <laughs> kind of wrong there. Yeah. <laughs> But overall, I don't know. It wasn't a bad day, I guess. Played some games. It was a fun tournament. Yep. Oh, and another weird thing. I played with all three of the people that I drove up here with. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty ridiculous. Yep. I played all new people today, so that was kind of cool for me to meet some of the other guys. I haven't made it out to many tournaments or at all or played anybody My in any other spots. My third opponent was new. Oh, yeah. Well, you played him, the second one. Yeah. I played Benarik, who I always seem to play against, and I'm completely fine with that. He's a good guy. Play John again. I play. I do play against you at home, but it's a fun time always. Yeah, and honestly, we haven't been playing against each other as much as we used to. So yeah, because I'm not in Janesville. So yeah. All right. I guess we'll probably wrap it at that and see if we can find anybody else who wants to chime in. All right. All right. Play. Stop making stuff up. Okay, so, hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> yo, yo. Just hang right. out, play some Warhammer. Wow, okay, so we got some some interesting voices here. So who do we got? We have... Dave Benderek. All right, Dave. And Dave, you've been around the Warhammer scene for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, quite a time. All right, so that's that's awesome. And what are you playing now? Uh, I'm trying out the Tomb Kings, still struggling with them. Hey, Tomb Kings, are they, there's something with it. Everybody seems to be in the Midwest here, I mean, in our no-comp environment, seems to be wanting to play them, so there's got to be something with them that's just awesome. Yeah, it's a fun army. Just oh, wait, there's another voice here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's that's Alex Gonzalez of, of Gabo's fame. Gabo. 
most famous. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing. There is nothing better than seeing those those uh, circus night goblins on They're the table. Gone. I don't even have those anymore. That's sad. That's the army was awesome. It's an end of an era. It is. <laughs> so, what do you play on these days, Alex? Right now, it's ogres. It's not a bad ogre list, though. It's I've seen I've seen your list. I had to judge it for uh, Mary Mayhem, and it didn't seem like it was that bad of a list. It's still ogres, though. Well, I mean, you can't throw like a sheet at the book, and it's pretty much yeah, awful. But, but he's got that dude on a flying carpet that no one runs. It's pretty risky. I played it before. It's a risky <laughs> list. It's not your Dave beat the it before, so he's got plenty of room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're here at Cheddar Bowl, and which is a, a Warhammer one day Warhammer tournament here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And you guys, we're just finished up finished up round three. So how did you guys do? Let's go ahead and start with Dave. Uh, one one and one. One one Symmetry, and one. Right Steven. down the line. All right, so what did you play against today? <laughs> uh, let's see, I played against um, Robert Elmer, who had uh, chaos. And then I played... Broken Chaos, yeah, okay. Broken Chaos, yeah. So it's, it's a good game. Good game. At, at least he played Nurgle before it was hot. Yeah, it's still that five That five plus to hit is tough. It's brutal. Then I played... Uh, I lost that game. Then my second game I drew, I played Empire. Which Empire? Which is a game. And then the last game I played against... Uh, who the heck did I play last game? Go on, I'll come up with it. Paul. <laughs> Paul. Paul, yeah. Right, right, Paul. Paul, Paul, Paul. Paul, wait, everybody with, remembers... With, Remembers Paul from uh, earlier in the show. He just left recently. So with that big, big mammoth. Yeah, he played the chaos mammoth. Every chance he gets, he's going to play that thing. Pretty much he says it's too beautiful not to play. So yeah, pretty much. All right. So Alex, what did you play today? Uh, first round, I got Matt Jack and his orcs, which okay. turns out were not the best. <laughs> orcs is, is the best. No, they ain't. Um, <laughs> second round, I played Brian. Yep. And then uh, third round, I got John Wenger, okay. which was interesting. So <laughs> you played, you won your first game. Yep. You won your second game because yep. I remember hearing Brian, you know, I talked to Brian. Yeah. That one was close. That sounded like it was a really good game. I felt like I did all right. Even yeah, he I did lost. a good job. I had to play VP denial at the end of it. Otherwise, I was done. And so. then, and then it was round three. You got to play against Winger, and he was playing Dark Elves. Yep. So how did that one come out? Uh, I got that one. Bottom of six. What you call it? The extra hero is what uh, got me the game. I got Choir off on his general, the new Slanesh spell, the number okay. six. Um, and he had the pendant, and it ignores armor saves, and it has no strength. Ooh. So <laughs> yeah, somebody. I thought somebody. I heard somebody earlier asking me about well, what happens when the pendant doesn't. When something happens to that dude, yeah, I had to ask you that. Oh, that's game, right. When yeah. I was busy killing the allied here, <laughs> that was what swung it. Bottom of six. Oosh, that's kind of brutal. Yeah, it was really touch and go. I thought he had me for most of the game, and the turn prior, I knocked the dragon out with a choir, and then the next turn, I choired the general again. And all you do is sing. Is that what you do? <laughs> is that your, is that is that how you win these games? Just singing? I don't sing, bro. Well, okay, just, the choir he does. brought a whole choir. He brought, yeah. yeah, it's not you. It's a choir. It's not me. But um, they borrowed somebody's choir, actually. Yeah, it was borrowed. Um, but it was. It was what it was. I had a really lucky table. Um, I had a wizard's tower on it, so my level two knew all seven spells from the Loras Lanesh. So nice. Yeah, it helped. I had a lot of good things go my way, and I don't know. All right, so three wins. Congratulations. That's really Thanks. awesome. Yeah. All right. So what, what? Since we're sitting here, what was your like single highlight? What's the biggest highlight from today? <laughs> maybe happened to you. 
Uh, mine was a, a low light. 23 attacks from Elmer's Chaos. Warriors, right? Warriors. Yeah. No fear, no nothing. 23 hits on 4+. plus. Oosh, that's pretty brutal. That, that's, was, a, that was a low light. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's one of those things that's just so crazy that no, you never see it happen. There's no rerolls, no nothing. Think of it's Dark Elves be like, okay, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with that, yeah, I, I can see that. Then I put his water, in a, his dice in a bucket to see if they were fixed. But no, he's, they're clean. <laughs> they're clean. <laughs> All right. Uh oh, is that the call? I think that might be the call. So we're gonna have to go ahead and wrap this up. Take a break. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming on. Yep. Thank you. What what what's that place? The last the last circle, the the last triangle. No wait, the last square. That's what it is. The last square located on O'Dana Road. Have you been there? Yeah. Yeah, they have the huge selection of miniatures. Everything from 5 millimeter scale all the way up to 25, 28, everything you could imagine. Yeah, it's the basically the war game store of Madison, Wisconsin. With every wargaming need you can just about imagine or think you wanted and a lot of things you didn't even know you wanted. Exactly. They also have model railroads and rockets. All sorts of good stuff for the geek in ya. Alright. And if you can't get to the square... You can always check them out on their website, thelastsquare.com. Exactly. Okay, and we are back. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit here about the winner, big winners and our big losers from Cheddar Bowl. So I, I think everybody to start with is a big winner, and we really want to th- go out and thank Tony and Abe for going ahead and putting on this thing again this year. This is, I think, the f- sixth or seventh annual Cheddar Bowl at this point. Yeah, I think it's sixth. I think it was the sixth. So, and of course, uh, Abe is now going to go ahead and take over running the Cheddar Bowl now for next year. So that's awesome. That is really cool to have that tournament here and, and to have a tournament now that's going to be showcased as a regular event in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Cool. Okay, so the first uh, prize that they gave out at Cheddar Bowl was the Fugly D- Dice Award, and that went to somebody you played against, Brian, right? Yeah, that was Matt. Matt Herbald. Herbald, yeah, that's it. And he didn't have his own army, so <laughs> kind of not unexpected it. for him to end up with the Fugly Dice. It didn't seem like he was having much luck, at least in my game, with his dice. <laughs> so he could definitely use them, but having his own army probably would have helped quite a bit. Yeah, he ended up I don't know. I mean, you drive like an hour and a half or two hours to a tournament. You think the one thing you'd make sure is packed in your car is your army. I forgot a lot of stuff, <laughs> but I've never forgotten a whole army. Yeah, it sucked because, yeah, you came all the way from like the Appleton area, I think it was. And yep. yeah, I realized he left pretty much all of his army there. I think he had a couple of things, but yeah, he left them all home. But that fortunately, really they sucks. had enough armies on hand between everybody that was local that he was able to borrow a Beastman army. Now, he was going to bring a uh, Chaos Dwarf army, and he would have been the only Chaos Dwarf player. Yeah. But since he didn't have his Chaos Dwarves with him, he played Beasts. And I've known Matt for quite a long time. He's went from like Skaven to Empire to Chaos Dwarves. And none of those play like Beastmen. So that's a huge jump in tactical and strategy type army for somebody that just, okay, here's an army and here's an army list. Go play it. Yeah, for sure. To pick it up here in a tournament, it was going to be pretty rough to learning curve there to figure it out. So I definitely props to Matt for doing that and, and picking that up. So he was the, the mighty winner of Fugly, the Fugly Dice, which is obviously worst of the tournament for the day. So that was our big loser, our big winners. Uh, we'll start out with best general. 
And the best general went to the handsome man himself, Grant Fetter. So, in his orders. And obviously I played against him in round two and was a, a big helping contribution to that score. <laughs> to so. Getting all those battle points. Oh yeah. You know, helping him, helping him try to figure out how to get the battle points against me. I know that, I mean, that was just sporting of me. <laughs> and, uh, then we went on to best appearance. And this one I don't think was a surprise. No, but not at all. Robert, who, do, who won best appearance? That was Johnny Hastings. And Johnny was playing. He had his beastmen. Yep. So obviously those things have been around forever now. I could have sworn that Johnny's won a best appearance award at, at Cheddar Bowl before and that previous winners of best appearance at Cheddar Bowl were not supposed to be eligible for this award, but I'm not going to knock anything or take anything <laughs> away from Johnny. That stuff, there's obvious, I mean, it, it, it was, it's clearly obvious that his stuff was the best appearance at this show and at this tournament. Yeah, show. definitely. There's no argument there with giving him that award. All right, so then next up, we had Best Sportsman. There must have been a mistake here so, with this yeah. one. Something I, went I wrong. I demand a recount. <laughs> <laughs> that went to the Conzi yourself, right? Yeah, the Conzi with the most. He got Best Sportsman. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, it sounded like there was an awful lot of ties in there, like there usually is with Sportsman, but ended up going to you. Yeah, sports <laughs> was done as a checklist to start with, so... It was there pretty was like hard seven. not to get yeah. the five yeses or whatever you got from For each round, yeah. It for was... each round. And then they did a favorite opponent, and I'm guessing there were multiple people that got three favorite opponents. Must have been. Because like the cliche best sportsman ever at every event he ever goes to pretty much, it always wins best sportsman, like at Wapaka and at... Uh, I think, what did he win it? He won it at Bits last year. He won it at Screw City. And I think he won it at Wapaka that same year in 20, in 2012. So, and that was Tom McClure, uh, which, you know, he's just cuddly and wonderful anyways. Full of loving. So, you know, that's, that's that, I, that, you know, getting best sportsman at an event where he's at is obviously really cool. And I, I don't know. I mean, I really did try to, even though I was losing pretty bad in my game against Grant, and I was really kind of surprised that that went my way, but uh, that he gave me his be- that best sports because I thought I was kind of grumbly about how badly things were going. But you know, some of that was too, like you know, I think it was part of like, okay, I'm losing, so I'm going to be sporting and let- I'm going to help my opponent try to beat me. <laughs> well, still, I mean, I'm still trying my hardest to do the right things myself. But at some level, you know, you're so far behind, you know, you're just like, okay, dude, if you do this, don't do that. Do this instead because it's going to be better for you. Can you I know, lose gracefully? Kind of <laughs> and I know that's probably not what you should do at a tournament, but that's the kind of things that, you know, being a being a bro and being a best sports is about. And, you know, I, I, I having some conversations, you know, especially when you know there's a, for best sports, if there's a guy that's going to be, you know, that you played early in the day and you know, or in the earlier, like the previous day and you're shooting for a best sports vote or you want to try to get a best sports vote, keep being their bro, keep being their buddy, talk to them, ask them how their games were, you know, throughout the rest of the tournament. And I did that with my first round opponent and that might have been part of what helped eke that out because it was like, dude, okay, I, you know, I just met you. I never met you before because I did play two guys that I never met before. I saw one of them online on the WWHFB forums. But I had never, I mean, I'd seen, never met these guys before in my life. I mean, you know, personally and in person to person. So it was, 
uh, kind of that was a big that was another component of a big surprise for why I got best sports because these were people that obviously I never met or they knew, didn't so. they didn't know any better apparently yeah obviously <laughs> they didn't know any better that that must have been it I don't know with those two your second two games it sounded like yeah you were pretty sporting though as far as how they played out helping your opponent and no. stuff and yeah I mean so, sounded like it was earned yeah, way to go I, <laughs> in my first game it was just I played I played really kind of denial and. And took his army apart very systematically, and and I, I felt like, and I thought that would, you know, that kind of a game without giving him a little like of, of the things that he wants was definitely. So I was really floored. But I mean, like, I remember we just we just right before we did this, we're doing this segment where I was watching the video again, and when he called my name, I could, you know, because you flipped the camera over to me, and it was <laughs> yeah. like classic. My jaw is like, like what? You know, like, <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. Yeah. So yeah, I was really floored, really surprised, and I and those are one of the best things. It's my second time ever getting a best sportsman at a tournament. And the first that was that was the first prize I ever got at a tournament before, many 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 years ago, and so it was really special. It really meant a lot to me. So thanks a lot to everybody that that helped contribute to that. That hopefully you're listening to this. Last but not least of the prize winners, the big one of the day, the big one overall, overall. Who might have won that? Alex Gonzalez won that. Yep. And you played him earlier that day, so I guess uh, Alex has a little bit of thank you there to, <laughs> to your bad dice rolling skills. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He definitely won the game. Yeah. That's for sure. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad to contribute to that award <laughs> in my losing so, in round two there. I'm glad I could help him out. So that was uh, all overall a great tournament. Thanks a lot to everyone that put it on. Thanks for everyone that came. Um, we had a great turnout this year, which was heartening. I know that uh, year previous, uh, Tony had been a little disheartened by the turnout. It was only like twelve people or something like that. Ooh. And so he was, you know, this year there was a lot of I don't know if I'm going to do it this year. And then he was so he lived so far away. That, that there was a lot of real doubt and then finally everything came together and it, and it turned into a great, wonderful, fun event. Really, really, really good time. Really had a blast. So thank you to everyone that was there. What are you ranting about today, Ben? Man, stupid battle for the past. I hate that with rivers that break the board. I think even battle for the past isn't your favorite in general. Really. I of the <laughs> core rulebook scenarios, my least favorite one is battle for the past. I like I, I I can it'll be okay in a pickup game, but it 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 messes with movement so much that it makes the game much more about like how you deploy. And I think that's every time I played Battle for the Past, it's pretty much been this is how you deploy, and if you, you either win or lose the game in deployment, which it really that for me that's not what Warhammer should be about. So I really, really have gotten to dislike playing that scenario a lot. So and I really people that throw that or include that in tournaments, I really wish you guys would quit doing it. It's just like. I get it. Dawn attack isn't something you should do twice in a tournament. So I'm not somebody that should be sitting here, you know. I can't. I'll, I'll, I'll eat my own mud at the same time here. I, I you know. <laughs> uh, but 
yeah, that's just not my my deal of of great times or what's conducive to a good Warhammer experience. And then to have a river that basically splits the table in any section like that, especially in that type of scenario, that's just like what they. What the heck happened there? Yeah, I mean, when you s- set up terrain, you're probably not horribly thinking about the battle for the pass as far as how you're going to cut off the board with a river like that and how it's set up. Yeah, and if, I think if, I think in this in this particular case too, a couple of times I've played battle for the pass at tournaments, the terrain has been fixed. Yep, which also seriously messes with things because you know when people are setting terrain on a table uh, for a Warhammer game, if you're not thinking about the scenario at all. You're, you're putting it on with the idea that you're gonna fight a traditional, like, maybe a battle line scenario. And so terrain gets kind of placed like the armies are coming on in a battle line. You know, with that kind of mentality and thinking about trying to, to set up some lanes for the, for the game and stuff yeah. like that. Usually you're not gonna try and handicap yourself. So, <laughs> by it, setting yeah. up terrain. So then, you know, like putting a, a river down the board that goes along the four foot section that kind of makes, okay, this little 18 inch chunk way over here on the left flank. Well, that's kind of busted out, but the rest of the board is still available. The rest of the, you know, you still got four-ish feet of table to play the game on, and then a river over there for some, you know, maybe some other stuff or chaff or whatever, or maybe you put a monster on that side of the board. Things that are more mobile. Bolt thrower. You know, same war machines over there, maybe you tuck them in there. But, so that gives you a little diversity to the game, but then all of a sudden, you flip that deployment and don't let people rearrange the terrain for the scenario. That's that's tough. So I think if you're going to include something funky like a battle for pass in your tournament packs, please make sure you allow players to readjust terrain appropriately, or that you, as a tournament organizer, go over the tables and readjust terrain appropriately for that scenario. That really did wreck my round two game as far as any kind of actual game because it came down to deployment making a decision that then there was nothing I could do for the rest of the game. It was just push push my models. I literally at one point in the game turned my models around, faced my rear to his army that was like 28 inches away, and walked towards my board edge. Jamuna. And that was as much as I could have done to actually affect the game, <laughs> was try to get out of his range of his spells. Yeah, it really sucks when you're kind of on the losing side of the battle before it even started, so that always makes for a rough game when you're fighting uphill and, and then, from the get-go. And then you have a piece of terrain that just completely... Like, it wasn't my opponent's army. Yes, I got a couple of cannonballs that were unfortunate, but it wasn't my opponent's army that beat me. I could have still done something, except then there's a river that completely destroys my army yeah. if I try to move through it. I mean, that's just horrible. Or even if it was a regular river, you would have been a lot better off. Yeah, boiling other flood, than really. Boiling flood. <laughs> Did it. Okay, so let's go ahead and set up our hobby and gaming goals for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Brian, why don't you go ahead and go first? We're going on those ghouls some more. Like I said, they're almost done being cleaned up and to start throwing some paint on them pretty quick. So what I'm hearing is that maybe by the time that we record again, you'll have them actually all cleaned up? Yeah, they. I bet they'll be primed and ready to go. Maybe I'll even start working on five of them or so, I okay. think. All right, so you getting any other games you wanted to try? You know, whether you know whether it's Warhammer or other games. Um, I guess we're playing Warhammer quite a bit, getting ready for Cheddar Bowl and everything. So it would be kind of cool to mix something up here and there. Uh, we kind of dropped our Lord of the Rings play. It would probably be cool to bust that out again. And even something like your Flames of War sounds kind of cool. I don't know if you have enough to go around. I don't have enough to do two players right yeah. now. I, I, we have to wait till Robert gets up here sometime to do I see. that. Because I haven't seen anything of that. I've never really seen a historical like that, so it'd be kind of cool. And I'm building up French. So Robert's got tons of it. Sounds like it. 
So, Robert, what do you got going on? Are you going to get anything hobby-related work done? Uh, my plans are Chosen, and then the Demon Prince, and then Touching Up the Knights, and then on Twitter, Lant, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Primal Fury is his handle, though. Okay. I think Jason W. is his name. We we were exchanging tweets because he recently had uh, surgery, or he had some chest tubes inserted into him where I had that a year ago. So we're kind of joking back and forth, and I offered that if he can make it to Blood in the Sun, he can borrow my Chaos Dwarfs. Okay. So for that, I just need to assemble the steam carriage, which is no big deal, and paint it. And then I might have to figure out some sort of Kadai conversion. All right, sounds good. And you're going to get all that stuff done by the next show? I'm going to get <laughs> the chaos, my Chaos stuff done. I might... I'm going to try to get the steam carriage built. Okay. Try to get the Chosen done and the Demon Prince well underway because I'm going to take my time with that Demon Prince because it's going to, when it's on the board, it's going to be a showpiece model. Okay. And are you going to try to line up any games? you got anything special lined up for the next couple of weeks? Uh, yes. Wednesday I'm going to try to make it up for either Flames of War or X-Wing because not only is that the day I like to go up to the last square, it's also my birthday, so I'm planning on getting some stuff to the last square. Ah, very cool, very cool. That is the last circle, or no, the last square, no, the last triangle. No, it is definitely the last square. Lastsquare.com. So, yes, the last polyhedron. All right, so I'm going to go ahead. I've got just on the painting table right now, I've actually put a little bit more time and focus into a couple of chariots for my Tomb Kings, which will help me round out the core so that I can get to 1,600 points on the board. I've got some Dark Elf stuff. I've got ten Dark Elf Corsairs I'd like to finish up. I've got nine Dark Elf for Peter Crossbowman I'd like to finish up. And maybe somewhere in there I'm going to go ahead and get some additional work on that second War Sphinx. He's slowly creeping along. Every once in a while I get the mood and I, and I put a little bit more paint on that model. So hopefully I can start seeing that where I can start gluing the, the, the how to itself onto the model maybe by next time, but no promises on the Sphinx, but definitely, definitely the Corsairs, definitely the repeater crossbow elves, and definitely the two chariots should be done before the next show. That'd be cool. I don't think you've really done much with the dark elves recently as far as paint, have you? No, I haven't. And, and one of the things that's kind of like, it's been a limitation and I didn't, reason I didn't take my dark elves to Wapaka this year is because I wanted to take a big block of Corsairs and I only have 15 painted. And so I, I actually own, I ended up ordering all the old, and they're all the old metal Corsairs, so I wanted to get some more of the old metal Corsairs. I had bought some through eBay, cool. and now I've got them, getting them cleaned up, getting the, the bolt lines and stuff cleaned up off of them, getting them based, and getting them ready to be magnetized and primed right now. So they should be, at least for the first 10, be ready to go on the priming board. And at least once I have 25 Corsairs, I have enough for, a, I think, an 8 that usable unit. And I have then, some more at home if you want some. I think I end up with I ended up with like thirty or four. I think I've got forty Corsairs now. That's total. So that's, that should unit. be pretty solid <laughs> for anything up to three, three or four thousand points. Cool. As far as gameplay is concerned, uh, I don't have anything really lined up. So in our board game group, we played a game called the Ground Floor last night after I had a you know. Dan left and I ran over to my buddy's house and we played a 
game. It's ground floor. It's the first time we played it. It's been out for about, I think, about a month, month and a half, maybe two months. It's been rated pretty highly on Board Game Geek. It's a game about uh, building your whatever your business is up from essentially the ground floor basically being some kind of one-level building structure business to a multi-story, multi-million-dollar type business at the end of the game. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it was. It actually, the the mechanic was quite a bit different than anything else I'd played, and it's you know the the theme the theme obviously is a little dry with this business type theme, but it and it seemed like it was very optimistic on how modern business actually works. <laughs> I, I think it was written from a from you know from a game designer from from something that's you you know like. This is how you build, and this is how a Fortune 500 company that never has anything really bad ever happen to it kind of come together. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not a Fortune 500, but a big company starting out from a really small business, and I, I think there was a little bit of unrealism there. But overall, the gameplay was really good and really enjoyable, and there was never a point where you were like, you felt like you were completely out of the game, um, which is, I think, where I get into that, like, it plays a little optim. It plays optimistically, and you're not in, an, in a realistic business world. It, you know, it's been very possible that you're like <laughs> completely out of the game and bankrupt in like turn three of the game, rather than making it through and still being able to have a thriving business at the end of the game. Is there like an objective point to get to, or how do you? Yeah, win, then? It, the game plays off of victory points, so oh, okay. you get a certain amount of points off of having money and a combination of money and basically corporate secrets or I don't remember exactly what they called it but info is what I think we were using as a term at the table some kind of corporate info and you can see you get points off of that you get points for additions to your business's structures so if you build like your your ground you start out your business on the ground floor and you can build add levels to your building to your business yep and then you have some upgrades, so you can upgrade some of the rooms in the building, and those are all worth points as well. You total it up after a certain number of rounds or something? Yes, then? it's okay. nine, nine rounds, or the first player to build six levels on their building. I see. So, really good game, worth checking out. I can't, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna hold a review for it for a little while yet, just because it's only our first time playing it, but uh, since we didn't have a gaming spotlight, I'll mention that here. So I am looking to play that in the next couple of weeks. And then I'm also, I really want to try to hook up at some point very soon with either Robert or somebody that actually plays Flames of War. It's hard for me to get down to the square on a, on a Wednesday, though, because that's my board game night. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm now that I've got like 900 points of Flames of War kind of put together. You want to do something with them? close to <laughs> wanting to. I, I got, I'm getting to the point where I need to make some purchasing decisions to expand my force. And I'd like to have, in order to make those purchasing ex- decisions, I should get I'd like to have some actual knowledge about how the game works. So besides just watching videos and reading manuals, I mean, there's a certain amount of, I learn best by doing and playing the game a couple of times. I get a better feel for it. You can it. kind of learn what you want to play, maybe not just what is the ideal thing or yeah. something, too. What that, kind of feel you want from it. Which is one of the reasons, like, Americans are very versatile in what you can bring to the table for a force and what works good. So I wanted to, for my first army, I wanted to do something very versatile and that I could do something. Like, if I wanted to do a tank company or I wanted to do, you know, if I want to do an artillery barrage, you know, type force with a lot of, you know, right, like an artillery rifle company, I could do that. If I wanted to do, you know, storm in the beach, DD stuff, I could do that. I could do all these different kind of tactical things with the list, or with my list builds, they're all available to Americans. 
they're not necessarily the greatest at any one of those, but that gives you some, that gives me the ability to diversify and, and kind of focus my list as I purchase and grow so I don't have anything like when you're, you know, when you're buying like an initial Warhammer army, your first time you've never played it, you don't really know what to buy, and until you've played a few games, you don't start to get a good feel for the game, and it's the same thing here for Flames of War with me. Yeah, for sure. So I'm getting to that point where if I want to, if I want to add, keep adding to my collection, I really should play some games. Beyond that, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I've got going for my my own personal goals. What did we talked about Cheddar Bowl today? Or is that right? I think we talked a lot about Cheddar Bowl. Yeah, quite a bit about it. <laughs> Lots of Cheddar Bowl coverage. I can smell the cheese from Platteville. <laughs> yeah. That that would be your responsibility, as you are now the cheese curd. <laughs> so there you got that we we definitely we went through i think one of the first times we did this kind of level of in-depth what did we do and what did we take so it's the first time we kind of put together i think a show that's quite like this as far as doing full list breakdowns some thoughts about why we took those and how each of the games went roughly so let us know what you think of that. Of course, make sure you can do that as part of the contest we got going. Yeah, remember to email us. So remember to email us at hosts at wiscodice.com your thoughts about this show or the last show or the next show. And finally, let's go ahead and where can folks, obviously people are listening to this already, so they already have figured out where to get it at least in one place where they could download and listen to the show. But where where can people expect to find or be able to locate this this podcast to be able to go ahead and listen to it. You got on iTunes. Blackberry yep. Podcasts. And Stitcher Smart Radio. Yes. As well, you can catch our show through the Wisco Dice website at wiscodice.com. 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 Okay, so then, of course, you can catch us on Facebook. Yep, I'm Stark Raving Mad, or just Wisco Dice Group. Yeah, you can catch us on the Wisco Dice Group. Or you can go ahead and we have a page as well. It's called the Wisco Dice page. The Wisco Dice group is a little bit more like a standard forum. And the Wisco Dice page is more like where you get your feeds about updates and where Conzi and, and crew here post pictures of their games and stuff they're working on and whatever. Of course, then you can hit us on Twitter. You can catch me at Dugan Bridex. I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> well, you can catch me on Twitter because some of us are in the 21st century. Oh. Swiss Dictator. Okay. We should upgrade his handle now to the, at cheese, the curd. cheese curd. <laughs> now, you can also catch us on Google+. Plus. You can catch us via that through hosts at go- or wiscodice at gmail.com. Sorry, wiscodice at gmail.com. And then, of course, the Wiscodice website. Yes. Catch us at the Wiscodice website. And you can catch us via email hosts at wiscodice.com send all your contest submissions queries whatever is you want to shout out anything else you want to send us that way (laughs) okay so uh, i think that pretty much covers everything you got of course catch all of our contact links through the wiscodice website at wiscodice.com for that matter let's go ahead and wrap this thing up Peace yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. We, we, this is a cheddar bowl. I would have liked to have gone. I would have beaten all you guys. I would have won. <laughs> I am the best Warhammer player ever. You guys are all pathetic. <laughs> yes. Yes, where are you, Robert? I want to throw some cheese curds at you. <laughs> cheese curds. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
Brian, you're burnt, bro. <laughs> okay, he actually likes somebody, maybe, kind of. <laughs> That's what I got out of that. I don't know if I have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Look out. That's all I got to say. Sooner or later, Watch you're out for the fan. Sooner or later, <laughs> you're going to disappoint him, and then you'll get beat up in the parking lot. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, folks, for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know. See you Peace later. Out. Listening.